If you have your Bibles with you, um, I would like you to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. And I am just going to pray if you can be flicking and praying at the same time. So Heavenly Father, uh, we just are just so thankful to have a God who desires to communicate with us, to speak to us, who is involved in every aspect of our life, that no detail is unseen by you. And Lord, as we come to a time in your word this morning, we do so with expectant hearts, knowing that you have something for us this morning, God. And Lord, I just trust you that it is not in my abilities or my strength or power that I bring this word this morning, but by the power and ability and strength of your Holy Spirit. So would you speak to us, change us, transform us, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So we will read our passage in Ephesians 1 first this morning, and I'm just going to start at verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Um, I've been on holidays recently, and uh, one of the things that I spent some time doing on uh, my holiday is meditating upon Psalm 18. And I love to look at different translations when I'm... Um, meditating particularly in the Psalms. And I was reading Psalm 18 in the, the uh, Passion Translation. I'm thinking, which one was it? The Passion Translation. And verse 1 of Psalm 18 in the Passion Translation says this. It says, Lord, I passionately love you and I'm bonded to you. I want to embrace you. For now you have become my power. For now you have become my power. And that phrase just really leapt off the page at me. And it really got me thinking about how true is that in my life? For now you have become my power. Do I live like God is my power source? As Christians and as believers here this morning, we've sung about this. We believe in the power of the cross of Christ. That is absolutely central to everything we believe. It is only by the power of the cross and his bloodshed for us and the power of his resurrection that we are set free from the power of sin and death. 
It is only this gospel, this good news of the Lord Jesus Christ that has the power to save us, to set us free, to bear our shame and our guilt, to reconcile us to our Father and to make us righteous. We recognise that the cross is the power of God for salvation for those of us who believe. And that's how Paul puts it in Romans 1, that the cross is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. This is true power. Jesus has the power to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And so to this, I can confidently say, yes, he has become my power. He has become the power for salvation in my life. Many of you will be able to say the same. I would pause and say, if that isn't something that you can say with assurance this morning, yes, the power of the cross, the power of um, the gospel and salvation for us, if you can't say yes to that, then today would be a great day to say yes to Jesus for that source of power of salvation in your life. But Paul here is writing to people who believe. He says in verse 13 of chapter 1, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, believed in him and were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. These are people who knew and experienced the power of God for salvation. They had faith in Jesus Christ. But Paul goes on to pray this over them. May the Father of glory give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened so that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might? Paul prays for these believers to have a revelation of the immeasurable greatness of God's power towards them. In this letter of Ephesians, Paul is going to go on and outline what it looks like to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. He's going to challenge them in their relationships, in their marriages, in their families, with their co-workers and their bosses. But first, he prays that they would be enlightened to the source of power to live in this worthy manner. There is an enabling power that is made available to us to live the Christian life. And so the need for this prayer by Paul, and in fact he repeats similar prayers in a number of his letters, would suggest that it is possible to be saved, to have the Holy Spirit in you, but not to be aware of the power available to you through him. And this is really what I want to explore this morning. What is the power that has been made, made available to us who believe? Are we plugged in to that power? 
can we with assurance proclaim, now you have become my power to walk out my salvation, to live for you. So if you'll bear with me, the first thing I want to do is have a brief New Testament Greek lesson. I'm not a Greek scholar, but um, I just want to unpack particularly verse 19 for us. If you've still got your Bibles open, it would be worth doing that just so that you can um, flick your eyes to where I'm referring you to. But just prior to verse 19, Paul prays um, that they would have the eyes of their hearts enlightened to the hope to which they've been called, to the riches of the glorious inheritance we have in Christ. And then in verse 19, he says that they also, he prays for their eyes, the eyes of their heart to be enlightened to what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might. Now, in this one verse, all four main Greek words for power are used. Do you think Paul's trying to get something across here? So dunamis, which I'm sure many of us have heard of, is the word used here for power. And we get our word dynamite from that. It means strength, power and ability. Now on its own, dunamis does not actually only refer to divine power. It's used to describe an inherent power, a power from within. And so it can refer to a person's own abilities. Uh, in Matthew 25, in the parable of the talents, where the master hands out um, the talents, each was given according to their ability, it says. And that word ability there is dunamis. And then in Acts 3.12, where um, Paul, uh, Paul, Peter and John have um, released healing to the man at Gate Beautiful and everybody is amazed. And Peter says to them, you're looking at us like we've done this in our own ability and power. That word there again is dunamis. So it is possible dunamis is just talking about in inherent ability and power. But in this verse 19, Paul goes to great lengths to make sure we're in no doubt as to whose power he is referring to. This is a power that is absolutely nothing to do with our natural ability. He uses the word immeasurable. Some translations say surpassing. It means that it passes everything, that it has no measure. It, it cannot be compared with. So the immeasurable greatness of his power, dunamis, his ability and his strength. And so dunamis, when it's used like this in biblical um, usage, actually can refer to the power for performing miracles and for moral power and excellence of soul. But it's when it's linked to God's divine power. So this is not because it's inherent in us. It's his power into us. And when you look at that verse 19, that word toward us, his immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, that word toward means into. So the immeasurable greatness of his power into us who believe. The next power word is energeia. It's the word that we get our word energy from. And in verse 19, if you look there, it's translated working according to the working of his great might. 
And in the New Testament, it is only ever used to refer to superhuman power. It means strong activity, zealous labour and effectual working. And one commentator puts it this way, Enegea is technically an act of God whereby he puts his holy work ethic deep down inside his children. He energises our hearts, in other words. He gives us his energy and his enabling. Are you hanging in there? Two more Greek words. The word might is iskus. It means ability, force, power or forcefulness. Iskus. And the root meaning of this word means to hold on. And so in this context, it carries with it the concept of God's holding power, his staying power. And then finally, kratos, which is translated here as great, but in other translations, in your translation, it may say power or strength. And this word again means force and strength and power, but this time it carries a sense of supremacy about it. And so when we put all of these power words together in this one little verse, we get this, that God's supreme power placed into us by the presence of the Holy Spirit, made available to us who believe, carries his ability and strength, his energy and holy work ethic, and his staying power and perseverance. And this is the very same power that raised Christ from the dead. This is not a power that some abstract force but rather this is the indwelling and enabling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In Luke 4, we read that Jesus went into the wilderness in the fullness of the Spirit and came out or returned in the power, the dunamis of the Spirit just before he started his earthly ministry. And before the disciples were sent out into the world to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, he told them to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit to be clothed with power, with dunamis. We read all of this and surely the source of our power to live the Christian life should be a no-brainer. And yet we can have the Holy Spirit living in us and never fathom or plug into this enabling power that's been made available to us. And instead, we attempt to live our life for Jesus in our own power and ability. I wanted to just illustrate it this way. I have two light sources up here. One is my little dynamo torch, and the other is this lamp. Now, my little dynamo torch, I have a funny story about this. I was saying to Justin, my daughter Beth's just gone overseas, and I said, oh, this would be a really good thing to take with her because, you know, like, it, it, it don't worry about batteries and all that sort of thing. But just have a listen to it. He's like, yeah, can you imagine her in a youth hostel trying to read a book at night? They're all going to get a little bit annoyed with her, aren't they? But anyway, my, my dynamo torch relies completely on self-effort power the bulb. There is a little battery in here which stores up some of its energy, but eventually it runs out and then more effort is needed 
to recharge it. My lamp, on the other hand, is plugged into the mains power source. Ta-da! I clearly need to plug it in and switch it on, but once that's done, there's limitless power, unless we forget to pay the bill or there's a power outage. So it's not an entirely flawless illustration, <laughs> but you get my point. So if we don't plug in to the main source of power of the Holy Spirit, what other things might we plug into in self-effort? And I've just got two. There may be other things that you can think of, but just two of the main things that I would say are the main areas reflected in my life that are kind of like alternate, lesser power sources. The first is the power of willpower. Willpower is defined as the ability to control yourself and the strong determination to do something difficult. I read an interesting study recently about willpower. Um, in this study, subjects were brought into a room that was filled with the aroma of freshly baked cookies. There was a bowl of cookies and there was a bowl of radishes. Some people selected at random were invited to sample the cookies. The rest of the group were told they could only eat the radishes. And then they were given a 30 minutes to complete a whole series of geometric puzzles, which actually turned out to be impossible to solve. Now, interestingly, what happened is that they found that those people who ate the radishes and therefore had to resist, use their willpower to resist the cookies, stuck at the puzzles for about eight minutes. Those people lucky enough to be picked to eat the cookies, so they hadn't actually had to use any willpower at this point, persevered on average for over 19 minutes. And so these researchers concluded that having to draw on willpower to resist the cookies drained the subjects of self-control for subsequent situations and that therefore, and this was their conclusion, human willpower is a limited resource. Human willpower is a limited resource. Now, we have been given a will by God. I am not saying that we are not called at times to exercise willpower. We need to be intentional and live a disciplined life. And um, there are times where we have to draw on that. But when it comes to our will as being the main power source for living our Christian life, it is a limited resource. I'm currently training for an endurance trail running race. And yesterday... I ran my furthest distance so far, but at about the 15-kilometre mark, I had had it. I started talking to myself out loud, not because I was delusional, which is what Justin asked me, but actually because my legs were burning and I'd had enough and I still had five kilometres to go. Elizabeth, you're nodding. I know you feel, know that feeling. Um, 
And so I started saying to myself, you've got five kilometres, you can do this. You've already come 15 kilometres, you can do this. Keep going, legs. I was actually talking to my legs. You can do this, legs. You see, there are actually many physical and mental benefits to learning to push through, to learn to use our willpower in that kind of setting. However, there is another area in my life this year where my willpower has been completely inadequate. You see, this year I've been struggling with anxiety about a number of issues that are impacting the lives of people that I care about. And this, the more anxious I've got, the more tired I've become. And I have absolutely tried to wrestle it down with my willpower. I'll be honest with you. I've tried to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I've tried to give myself the pep talk. I've tried to think positively, but to no avail. In this area of my life, as God has got my attention to the fact that I am plugged in to my own power source, he's made me realise that I instead need to yield and to plug into the immeasurable greatness of his power that he has put into me by the Holy Spirit. We need to be plugged into God's divine power to access his holy work ethic and his staying power and energy. That may be to deal with anxiety. It might be to resist temptation or to deal with a habitual sin in your life or an unhealthy pattern of behaviour or even to build healthy disciplines in our life. We need to be plugged in to his limitless power source rather than always only relying on our self-effort. And when our willpower coupled with his enabling power, so much more is able to be achieved in our lives. So the key message is that we need his enabling power. Our willpower will never be enough. And then the second alternate power source that certainly I have um, fallen into the trap of plugging into my own life is the power of our own ability. Now that might be our own wisdom, our own knowledge, our own gifts and talents, our own intellect. And of course, God has given us these gifts, talents and abilities. We're not meant to neglect them. In fact, it is through diligence and intention that we can nurture and grow these gifts and talents and abilities in our life. However, our natural abilities are never going to be a sufficient power source in and of themselves to live the life that we've been called to as Christians. Scripture is quite clear um, that those who attempt to build the house of their lives by their own efforts labour in vain. What we do in our own strength and ability, you see, we then have to sustain in our own strength and ability. And that's exhausting. I think that when we rely upon as a power source our own abilities, it usually goes one of two ways. Either we become filled with pride and take the credit, or we disqualify ourselves for perceived lack of ability. Neither of those things is godly. The Apostle Paul, who... Um, we believe to have been an incredibly intelligent, highly intelligent man with incredible academic ability, says this in Colossians 1.29. 
For this I toil, and he's talking about his calling to present everyone mature in Christ, his calling as an apostle. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. Just this recognition that his own ability and um, intellect and knowledge and academic um, intelligence was never going to be enough. That he met his calling with work. It says, I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. Oswald Chambers um, has a fairly well-known quote that says, complete weakness and dependence will always be occasion for the Spirit of God to manifest his power. So we can choose to avail ourselves of his enabling power or we can attempt to live out our salvation in our own efforts. Ephesians 3 verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think, according to the power at work within us, that word power is dunamis, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. There is enabling power that is made available to us through the Holy Spirit to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can in our own strength, ability and willpower for the glory of God. So to finish, I just want to run through with you a number of scriptures that highlight for us the promises that come with being plugged in to the main power source, yielded to the Holy Spirit's power in our life. Number one, the power to live a godly life. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says this, His divine power has granted to us all things, not some things, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So we have this promise of power to live a godly life. Number two, power to be strengthened. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. We are strengthened by his power. Similarly, in Colossians chapter 1, it says, Paul says this, he's praying for the Colossians. He says, I have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. But how do we do that? Verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. In the Holy Spirit, there is power to be strengthened, to live a fruitful life with endurance and patience, with his staying power. Number three, we are promised the power to represent God, to be a witness 
for the Lord Jesus in our lives. In Acts 1 verse 8, it says, You will receive the power of the um, you will receive power, sorry, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be, you will be, not might be, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That same power that the early disciples were clothed with the power from on high is available to us to be witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ, the power to represent God well. And then number four, the power to hope. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. I want to be able to say in every area of my life, Lord, I passionately love you. I am bonded to you. I want to embrace you. For now you have become my power. I want to encourage you this morning to examine your life. Are there areas of your life where you are trying to live for Jesus in your own power and ability? If so, Today is a great day to acknowledge again in your life the immeasurable greatness of his power available to us who believe. To welcome his strength and his ability, his energy and work ethic and his staying power and perseverance. And to receive a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're just going to wait for a moment. There's no point giving you lots of great information about this when really we're talking about something that is an empower and an enabling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This isn't um, so much a message of wanting to send you home with lots of things to do, but to actually take the opportunity to examine our lives before the Lord, to recognise where we've been reliant upon our own strength and in fact to repent of that. And to again welcome the enabling power of the Holy Spirit to touch our lives afresh, to be filled afresh, Scripture is filled over and over again with the exhortation to be filled and refilled by the Holy Spirit. That's not a one-time thing. We need His power and strength and ability in our lives every single day. And so I just would invite you, um, if you feel comfortable even, just to open your hands to the Lord this morning. And I'm just going to pray over us the words of Paul from Ephesians. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, 
that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might? That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand, his right hand in heavenly places. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we could ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. We just welcome your fresh touch in our lives today, Holy Spirit. We recognise that there is no other true power source in our life but you. And we just welcome a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit this morning. We choose to lean into you, to plug into you. For everything that we have coming up this week, God, we look for opportunities not to rely on our own strength and ability, but to draw on your immeasurable, great power that is at work within us. That you would give us your energy, your work ethic, your staying power. And we do this in the name of the Lord Jesus.